You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. God wants to fix and change and challenge your marriage and your relationship. Whether you are single, married, engaged, divorced, widowed, married again, uh, uh, single and happy or single and, and, and waiting for somebody. God is saying this morning, I want to help you with that relationship. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Hey, welcome back to week two in our series entitled The Vow. We're excited that you are here, and we're excited that you're here to be a part of this service. This is your first time. I'm so glad that you're here. I pray that you feel welcome, and I'm looking forward to what this service is going to provide, and I hope it speaks to you. Hopefully it uh, um, resonates with you, and hopefully these truths help you and your marriage, whether you're dating, single, complicated, wherever you're at in the relationship spectrum. We hope that this is a help to you because I believe that God's word is powerful and I believe it can speak to where we're at and God knows where you're at this morning. And I pray that this is a help and encouragement to you to grow closer and deeper and stronger in your relationships with one another and those around you. And we're looking forward to what God's going to say. Last week we kicked off a new series and uh, we looked at the, the first vow. We have one, we have four vows and last week we looked at the first of the four vows and our theme verse is out of Ecclesiastes 5 it says when you make a vow to God do not be late in paying it for he takes no delight in fools pay what you vow when you made a vow if you stood at a wedding altar you made a vow or many of you will make that vow you didn't make it to your crazy uncle you didn't make it to the aunt the cousins the kids whoever there you made it to that special someone that you said hey I want to spend the rest of my life with you you made it to God and so God is talking about vows vows are special today we look at vows as more of like a contract and not a covenant and uh, scripture has this imagery of a covenant it's stronger than a contract a contract is built on mutual distrust and so we want to have a covenant relationship and so that's what we want to help and encourage and we want to see that happen for each and every one of us because we've all experienced or seen a relationship that just didn't make it and uh, that's devastating it's devastating for everybody for both people and it causes a lot of uh, hurt a lot of baggage and so this morning we hope that the scripture will be a help to you will encourage you will strengthen you and so this morning we're going to look at the second vow which is the vow of pursuit last year we last week we talked about the vow of priority and the vow of priority we went to Luke chapter 6 and in Luke 6 we looked at the very end where it talks about two different types of people one who builds their life on the sand and when the storm came it knocked over that house it didn't stand because there was no foundation it wouldn't stand in the sand and we saw that the wise person builds his house on the rock we said this we said you can choose what you build with you can build with sand or you can build with the stone you get to decide it all depends on what type of life you want to have a life that's easily knocked over or a life that'll stand the test of time and so we want a life that's built on the rock and so we said hey the first vow of priority is the vow of just that that God is my first too often we put everything else ahead of God and God is saying, hey, I'm first. I'm your foundation. And even though we have a strong foundation, even though it's built on the rock, we said this. We said just because it's built on the rock doesn't mean you won't have rocky times. 
And uh, one person, they sent a text, and they, they were talking with their significant other, and they were having a little spat, a little argument, and they said, hey, don't give me none of that sand. They were like, I don't want none of that sand. Ain't doing that. Nuh-uh, uh-uh, not going to have that. We want to get on the stone, not sand. And so hopefully you use that. Hopefully you didn't get backhanded when you said that. But um, it's, it's all right. Uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to speak to us and how he's going to encourage our relationships. And so last week we said we were going to look at the foundation, not our feelings and we're building off of that truth. We're going to be back in Luke chapter number 6. But would you uh, notice something? I asked you to do a homework assignment. And some of you hate homework. And uh, some of you love school. I talked to one person. They were all about school. They were like, I love homework. I couldn't wait. And they had their card ready. And uh, they were talking about it. I had my card. And some of you are like, card? What, what are you talking about? So let me explain. Last week we were talking about the vow of priority. And we said, find a time where you and your significant other can get alone, just the two of you. And I want you to write on a card what is their highest priority that you perceive. And I want you to talk about it and exchange that card with that significant other. Some were like, no, 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 no. I got enough troubles. I got enough issues. I don't need a fight. I don't need an argument. You see, here's the fact. Uh, That stuff's going to come out anyway. So at least choose the battleground. At least choose it on your turf. Because you know what's funny? Sometimes that stuff comes up as you're on the way to a dinner party. Isn't that embarrassing? That's like the worst You're about to get out of the car to go meet your friends, and it's obvious you two just got in a major brawl, like a major fight, and you get in, you're like, hi, you know, and she's like squeezing your hand, and there's like, her nails are long and sharp, so it starts bleeding, you're like, hi, you know, and you're doing one of those, and then the whole time, it's like uh, 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 these comments, you know, these little comments, like, oh, your wife does a home-cooked meal, hmm, I wonder what that's like, you know, all these little digs, little digs, and then she's like, well, if you had a better job, I could stay home and make those meals, you know, those little, little jabs that you do, you know, and it's like those subtle little things that just kind of slide in, and uh, so that'll get you in trouble, so here's the thing, that stuff's going to come up, you may be avoiding doing the homework, but I'm telling you what, here's what's going to happen, you don't do the homework, that's fine, it's just still going to come up, but if you do the homework, you might resolve it before it happens, but too often, we live in a culture in a day and age where everybody's like, no, 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 I just want, I just, I just, I'm just hoping things get better, I'm just hoping my marriage gets better, Please write this down. Hope is not a strategy. It's not a strategy. If you're hoping for things to get better, can I just say this? It's not going to happen. Things just don't naturally progress to order and stability. No, everything is in a constant state of decay, okay? Everything is falling apart. Your relationship, your marriage, unless you're working on it, it's falling apart on you. So you've got to constantly be stewarding, constantly building, constantly working at the relationship. And we said this. Here's the big idea for the series. When you stop working at your marriage, it'll stop working for you. When you stop working at your marriage, it'll stop working for you. So we've got to constantly be saying, hey, what am I building on? We started with the foundation, the vow of priority last week, and now we're going to the vow of pursuit. It's based out of Genesis 2.24. Last week we looked at this verse. It said, for a man will leave father and mother and will be united to his wife. The word leave, we looked at it last week, was this word that didn't mean cut off family and relationships. Uh, my wife is Filipino. Filipino is very tight, close-knit family relationships. But what it means is they don't come first anymore. And in, when she was growing up, family was first. Family's important. That's good. But what happened was when she got married to me, it wasn't that we abandoned the family. It was that, no, 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 now there's a bigger priority. But here's the thing. I'm not the highest priority. I'm just a higher priority than everything else. 
okay? God is the highest priority. He's the rock. He's the stone, but I'm still higher than everything else. And so that's where you need to get to in the relationship where you look at that person, that significant other, and say, guess what? You are not the highest, but you are higher than everything other, everything else out there. And so that's what we looked at last week. So I want you to give you more than just hope. I want to give you a strategy this morning. But too often, I, I meet people, and they were like, well, I just want that kind of a relationship. Ever met that person? You're sitting down, it's your girlfriend, and uh, they're at the office, and, and, and you and her, they always talk or something, and you're just, you're, they're always telling you and confiding in you what kind of relationship they want, and then they're like, you know what, I just want that, that, that special relationship. You know what I'm talking about? I just want that, uh, you know, what I see on, on, on this, and I see these couples together, and they look so cute, and I'm just, I just want that. I just like how they take walks on the beach. I just like how they cook together. I just like that. But here's the question. What is that? You ever stop there? What is that? I mean, we see it all the time, hashtag relationship goals, but what is that? You're saying you want it, but you don't even know what that is. So you're wanting something, but you can't even define it. You just see it on social media. You just see somebody walking together, and you just say, well, I just want that. But you don't even know what that is. And because you're seeing it on social media, you don't actually get the full force of it. You don't know what really is going on there. I love this picture. I'll put it up for you. I love this little, little picture, social media. This is kind of hashtag relationship goals for me. Let's put up this picture. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, all right? That's what I want one day, right? I want to be riding down the grocery store scooter and uh, my boo by my side or behind my backside. I don't know. And uh, that's just kind of cute. All right. But more than I like that picture, I like this second picture a little bit better. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's taking a little while to sink in. That is the girl carrying the guy through the puddle. All right. That's like my relationship goals right there. No, it's not. No, it's not. All right. That's, that's how it's not. That's going to wreck the relationship. And if this is your picture, if this is you, stop that. All right. If that's you, don't do that no more. Okay. This series is for you to stop doing that. Okay. All right. And uh, that's enough of that. We don't need to see any more. But we're saying, oh, I want that. But here's what I'm saying this morning. If you want that, you're going to need to do this, okay? If you're wanting that, you're going to need to do this. You say, what is this? Go back to Luke chapter 6 if you have a Bible. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's one in front of you, and it'll also be up on the screen. Let me just talk about God's Word, how important it is, and uh, how important it is for you to have a daily time with God in his word where you are learning, you are growing. You may say, I don't fully understand the word of God, so I just wait till Sunday because preacher man, you kind of break it down so I can understand it. Here's the thing. I met with some men yesterday and we said this. We say we pray before we read God's word. There's a verse in Psalms. It says this, open thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of that law. The word law is the same word as interpreted word. It's the same thing. It's, it's saying, God, these truths are too high. They're too deep. They're too vast for me. I need something practical. I need something that's going to help me. And it's amazing how God will share something to you that's meant just for you. Yesterday, I was reading in Proverbs 16, and I came across a verse. It said, happy is the one who puts his trust in God. And I tend to worry about things. And so I needed that verse yesterday. It met the situation I was going through, and I knew God had spoke that to me. So when it comes to coming to church, I want to encourage you get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go buy a Bible. Uh, a, a person in our church was like, yeah, somebody stole my Bible. I was like, okay, my bad. Maybe it's a nice Bible. So don't steal a Bible, but get yourself a Bible so you can study God's word. I say it like this. Get your 30 in before 730. You say, what do you mean 30 in before 730? Spend 10 minutes with God in the word. 10 minutes in the word. Spend 10 minutes in prayer. 
and the 10 minutes just singing and listening to worship songs. Get your heart and mind set. I know sometimes we just think our day is just going, just going. But we're talking about the vow of priority. The first priority is the rock. We want to have a strong foundation to build on. The second is the uh, priority of pursuit. You say, where do we get that? Back in Genesis, we see that we see this vow of pursuit, the pursuit of what? How do we pursue it? It says, for a man will leave his father and mother and be united. The word united is the word debak in the Hebrew. Debak, a good Klingon word, okay? And uh, so that's for all the Trekkies out there. And uh, so when it comes to this word debak, it means to pursue, to catch, to pursue and catch. Now, I like that terminology. Some of us guys, we get that a little bit better than the ladies because I just want to let you know, I don't mean to, to put you down, but you were our, our catch, our prize. That was the one we, we saw you whenever we saw you and we knew we wanted you and we pursued. We did crazy stuff, crazy stuff. We would, we would write little sappy love poems and we would start making arts and craft hearts and stuff. We started to take a cooking class. You know, we went with the art class with you we even hung out with you and all your girlfriends and it was just that one dude and we're getting mani petties with you and all your girlfriend we just do crazy stuff you know we just we even wait there in the dressing room as you try umpteen dresses on umpteen outfits on and we say they all look good and we don't really care we just want you we're just like man I'm pursuing you and we will do crazy stuff somebody asked me the other day about God's will and I said honestly I've only been sure about two things that I know God spoke to me the first one that I know God spoke to me is when I needed to receive him I knew at 14 years old I was lost on my way to hell I needed a savior I knew God was convicting my heart I knew he was speaking that I needed to get this thing settled and I was running from it for a long time the second thing was 2005 August morning 6 a.m. on a Saturday I'm walking into our college campus I'm going to get breakfast I just gotten off working all night at Best Western Hotel where I was a night auditor I got paid to sleep and do homework all night because our hotel was in the ghetto and nobody showed up all right and uh, so that's where I was and I was coming back and all of a sudden I look up and I see the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. Her name was Jane Antenna Meeson and she was jogging like slow motion, you know, and she was just doing that. And I'm just like, wow. And I was looking at, and I just kind of knew at that moment, this is it. That's the one I'm going to marry. And I'm kind of upervescent, bubbly. And I saw him, I was like, good morning. And she just kind of looked at me and that look just had me. And I was like, as she ran by, I love you. I want to marry you. I want you to bear my children. You know, it was just one of those. All right. I just knew this is the girl for me. And man, here's the problem. She didn't know it. I knew it, but she didn't. And it took a long time to convince her. This Thursday, we're going to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary, so I'm pumped about that. So she's stuck by me, or she's put up with me. And so to reward her, uh, she's going to Hawaii. I'm going to stay here. I'm sending her on a trip. You know, she deserves some alone time. No, 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 we're both going to go. Saved up my pennies, nickels, and dimes. I'm hoping to get a redo on our first 10-year anniversary or wedding trip to Hawaii. I don't have time to tell that story, but you can check out the podcast. The honeymoon is over, and you can hear about that story, all right? And she is, though, uh, the first time we went she had an allergic reaction we're going the same time of year so I was like you got your Benadryl yes is it non-drowsy because last time you were asleep the whole time 
I'm telling you, this is before uh, selfies. So we would go to a destination, and it would just be me with the camera. And she'd be like, ah, I passed it out. And, you know, and she was like, oh, where are all these pictures? And I was like, well, I went. You were passed out in the car because you took your Benadryl, and it was non-drowsy. So you're out the whole time. And all kinds of stuff just happened. And so this time, we're trying to get a redo, all right? So she's taking non-drowsy medicine. You know, we're trying to make sure that none of the crazy stuff. And I'm making sure I go to the correct island, okay? I have checked and double-checked that we get to the correct island. I have checked the plane tickets. I've checked with the person at the Airbnb to make sure everything doesn't go off without a hitch. I want it to happen uh, properly, not without all the chaos. And so I'm looking forward to that. But here's the thing. When it came to that commitment, that vow, there was this chase that was on where I pursued her, and I pursued her. And here's what happens. We pursue until we catch them, but once we catch them, then we kind of go on to the next thing as men. We're kind of like, well, that's done. Check that box. All right, what's the next challenge? It's just how God kind of wired men. So then we go back to work, or we go and have children, and we provide for them, and then when we're helping them, we're coaching, or we're working a second job if we have to, and then we're taking them to karate, to piano, gymnastics, whatever, you know, they're doing, and uh, then we're, we're taking them to college, and after college, we're paying for all their college bills, and then, you know, if they weren't millennials, they wouldn't be moving back home, but they're millennials, so we got to get their room fixed up again, because we only get a four-year break, basically, parents nowadays, so you know they're coming back in, and this time, you know, they're bringing people with them and so you're like man I gotta clear out more room you know and uh, then they end up buying a bigger TV than you have sticking it in the room and you're like there's a problem here I pay your rent but you got nicer stuff than me you start paying rent okay and uh, so all this stuff kind of happens but here's the thing we all say I want that relationship but if you want that like that's special that thing that you see in your mind you got to do this and what is this it's found in Luke 2 let me get back to the text We were looking at the end of Luke 6, but let's look at the beginning. This is Jesus speaking, and it's basically the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 has the Beatitudes. Luke 6 repeats it. Verse 31 says this, Do to others, and you would like them to do to you. Isn't that a great marriage verse? I mean, just stopping there. We've heard it. We know about this verse, but then here's what's funny. We think this verse is all about everybody else, like our coworkers and our boss, and we think it's for maybe even our friends or our relatives or the people we don't like. That's who we apply it to because we grew up and we heard this as the golden rule, right? And so people will say, you know the golden rule? Some of you didn't know the golden rule was the Bible verse. Yeah, it's in the Bible. That's where it came from. It wasn't Buddha, Muhammad that came up with it. It was Jesus that came up with it. And it's in Luke 6. He says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And he says this, he goes on even further. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repent, pay you why should you get credit even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return so Jesus says hey guess what you know that thing doing to others you'd have them doing to you yeah yeah I'm gonna do something with that I'm gonna change it up a little bit and what does he do verse 35 love your enemies whoa 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 at first he said just do good so that others will do good to you now he changes it he says love your enemies and I know we're talking about a marriage and dating series And some of you are like, they're not my enemy. Like, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. I I get that. But you ever had an argument? And in that argument, it seems like they're your adversary. I mean, your body language, the things you say, the things you do, the leaving the room, storming out, 
kind of seems like your enemies. And so here, Scripture may be talking about our relationship with others, but can we please step back and say, though Scripture has but one interpretation, it has many applications. And the application today is to love our enemies. And there are going to be times in your relationship where you are going to be adversarial, and you're going to need to remember this verse where God said, love them. Where God said, hey, that husband right now that you can't stand, that's just sitting there watching TV on the couch instead of fixing the relationship, go love him. And she just said, mm-mm, not on your chance. This frying pan, the back of his head is how I'll show him some love. That's what I'm going to do. And so God wants to call you out of that. So verse 35 says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the most high. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. It's interesting that they call marriage a labor of love. Marriage is called a labor of love because it's just that. I said in the beginning, hope is not a strategy. Marriage is a labor of love, and it's going to take a labor to make it work. And you say, how do I start? Well, first of all, today is the vow of pursuit. You see, we pursue what we don't have. That's where it all starts. We pursue what we don't have. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, United, it's that pursue. It's that catch. But here's the thing. You say, you might be sitting here and saying, hey, but how do I pursue? You see, pursuit is about building the personal relationship, not satisfying passion. Pursuit is about building the personal relationship, not just satisfying passion. Here, let me be quite frank and honest. There are moments in my marriage with Jane where I have pursued her, not for her, but from what I can get from her. There have been times where I have been kind, loving, only because I wanted one thing, food or sex. Okay, let me just put it out there. Let me just get real for just a second. And we're guilty of doing this. And it's not just men. It can be the opposite. There are times when uh, you can do something. You're not pursuing them to pursue them. You're pursuing because what you can get from them. You see, we pursue what we don't have. And then when we don't have it, we want it. So we'll do certain things. Why? Because we're guilty of letting things slide, of letting things slip. And so now we've got to come back to the fact, wait a minute, I need to pursue them. But how do they want to be pursued? That's the question. That's the question. And I love how Jesus told Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in in Ephesians 5, he said, this is a great mystery, but an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. There's two things that you need to know to pursue your spouse. You see, uh, women want to be loved, to pursue them with love. Now, that sounds easy, doesn't it? Because if you're in this room and you're a married man, you tend to show love the way you like to receive love. I like gifts, and so what I would tend to do is I would tend to buy Jane gifts. Here's the thing. She would be grateful for it, but guess what? It didn't like, yay, a gift. She doesn't really care. Like, this may be bad. You may think I'm terrible. I didn't get her anything on Valentine's Day. You say, jerk. No, I'm smarter than you, man. I saved some money. No, no, that's not what it is. That's not how she's wired. Now, all these times, I'd be, I, would, I would get this expensive gift. I'd save up all this money and then do all this. And then she'd be like, oh, that's cool. And then I'd look for it later on, and she wouldn't use it. or just kind of sit there. It just wasn't a big deal. Why? Because I was trying to love her how I want to be loved. 
Now, I like gifts. She was asking me, she's like, hey, your birthday's coming up, and uh, what do you want? I was like, I want it all. Just get it all for me, all of it. I'll, I'll take it all. And uh, she was like, well, you can get a jacket or shoes. I was like, both. <laughs> easy, easy. Uh, don't have to think about this. And uh, so uh, she knows I do appreciate gifts. It's part of my love language, how I receive love. But guess what? I would do all that stuff. You know what spells love for my wife? Is if I get to cleaning. If I start cleaning stuff, oh, I heard an amen from the audience. Some of the ladies right here. Guys, that's so much easier. You just saved a bunch of money if that's how your woman is wired, okay? Just let me say it like that, okay? So if I just get to cleaning things, you know, my vacuum has this little thing. You can take this little hose thing off, and it's got a little extender nozzle. And if I get that thing out, it's like a knight with his sword, okay? I mean, I just start waving that, getting those cobwebs, and all of a sudden she walks in. She's like my knight in shining arm, taking care of those devil cobwebs and spiders oh look and go oh he's getting the dust off the ceiling fan oh slow down do that a little bit slower you know I know I'm creeping out some of you but all of a sudden she's like you're gonna get lucky sometime I don't know when it's gonna happen one day you know that's what she likes because that's her love language because for too long I was pursuing her and doing all this stuff but that's not how she wanted to be pursued because for her love wasn't spelled gifts it was spelled acts of service so if I start pulling weeds in the garden if I start hanging a picture for her if I start cleaning so I figured out some things guess what after dinner I clean the kitchen that's just what I do and she doesn't have to worry about cleaning the kitchen. That spells love to her. And guess what she does? She shows me respect. Here's what happens. If I don't show her love the way she wants to be loved, she doesn't show me respect. And when she doesn't show me respect, I don't show her love. And because I don't show her love, she doesn't give me respect. It's a vicious cycle. What happens is I start cutting off her air supply because that's life to her. That is how she lives. That is how she breathes. And guess what? If I start cutting off that love, how she wants to be loved, and sometimes in a relationship, let's all just, in our minds, be honest enough that we know what pushes each other's buttons. And sometimes they're looking at us and we're smiling at them. And all the while, we're like, push push. Hey, baby, push, push. And we know we're pushing their buttons. We know by what we're doing, what we're not doing, because we just had it, right? So we know what bush, buttons to push. Some of you have a keyboard of buttons. You're just like, da -da 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 -da, you know, 80 words per second, you know, you know, just smoke coming off all the buttons you're pushing. And you just know those buttons to push. And I mean, it's got the big red button, do not push. And you're like, yes, I'm going to push this button. And man, you slam that button down. And what happens is a vicious cycle. She doesn't get love. You don't get respect. So you don't give love. She doesn't give respect. It's a vicious cycle. Because the guy's biggest thing is respect. You say, no, 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 I want this. I want this. At the end of the day, you want her to respect you. It's like this. If I clean the kitchen, man, I stand back and I want her to give me her approval. I was waiting for it. It's all sparkly clean. She just walks in the kitchen, stares at me, mm -hmm, and goes back on. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, no, no, no. Look at the counters. She's like, yeah, what? They're clean. Look at the floor. It's clean. Look at this. It's clean. You know what's so funny? Only guys do that. You know, you wives never do that to us. You don't take us to the house. Like, check it out. I organize the closet. I organize this drawer. And it's only us guys. Like, we really want. Like, I'm serious. Somebody needs to give us medals. Like, little fake medals. Like, if you did that, we'd be like, yes, I got a medal for plunging the toilet. You know, toilet plunging medal. You know, we'd just be so excited about these little things. Why? Because we like the respect. We like the affirmation. But here's the thing. Two ways she wants to be loved is with acceptance and approval acceptance and approval that's what she wants acceptance and approval he wants praise not based on his performance he wants to be praised not because of his performance not because yes he finally mowed the lawn yes because he finally changed the oil yes because he finally hung the picture no he just wants praise 
And it's not an ego trip. It's how God wired your man. And she just wants love in the form of acceptance and appreciation and approval. That's what she wants. Why? Because culture is telling her and sending her a different message. Culture is saying, hey, guess what? You're not accepted unless you weigh 98.9 pounds, you know, and you eat ice chips. That's all you ever eat, okay? Like, hey, what'd you have for breakfast? I had some ice chips, you know? I mean, no, 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 starving yourself. No, no, no. That's what culture says. You got to look like this. So she's saying, hey, culture's telling me one thing. Everywhere is telling me this. And then she goes to work. She doesn't make as much as the men do for no arbitrary reason. She could do just the same job, but she doesn't make enough. So there's culture telling her that she's not approved or accepted. So she comes home and then she tells you this. Here's what she says. We'll role play for a second. She says, you know, the holidays are kind of over. And, uh, you know, I, I I think I put on just a few holiday pounds. And so what does the guy hear? What does the guy hear? He hears this. Fixed problem. Fixed problem. So he's going to work one day past the bookstore. What does he see at the bookstore? How to lose 15 pounds of holiday weight. Perfect problem solved. He buys the daggum book. He takes it home, hands it to his wife. She then beats him to death with the book. <laughs> Why? Did she really want the book? What was she actually saying? She was saying, I feel a little insecure right now, and I need acceptance and approval. That's what she really was saying. She wasn't saying fix the problem. But because we acted that way, he then beats us with the book till there's blood on the book. Now we can't return the book. And we're like, I got the book and I can't return it because it's got my blood on it. And the lady at the cash register, she even laughed at me when I was buying the book like she knew what was about to happen. And so I need to blame that lady at the cash register who sold me the daggum book. And so here's what's really happening is the fact that you need to pursue, but we pursue what we don't have, but we got to pursue them the way they want to be pursued. She wants love. He wants respect. Work that out in the relationship. What does that look like? But not only that, Jesus then goes on to say, guess what, in verse 35, to love your enemies. So Jesus takes this golden rule, hey, you want that, you got to do this. He said, hey, here's this golden rule. You're pursuing this person, but guess what, that's just not enough. You got to flip the rule. You say, what do you mean flip the rule? You see, Jesus said it's not just enough to do good to those who do good to you. Do good to those who don't do good to you. Does an enemy do good to you? No. So Jesus is saying, do good to them. So here's the excuse what we make, and we're good at this. We're good at saying, she's not treating me right, he's not treating me right, so guess what? I'm now justified to not treat them right, because after all, the Bible does say, you will reap what you sow. Guess what? It's payday, harvest time, baby. No, 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 that's not for you. You know, my son has learned that verse, and so we'll tease him, or we'll, we'll mess around with him and do stuff like that, and he's like, you're going to reap what you sow, and I'm like, are you quoting the Bible to me? Man, you know, he just throws it back. He's like, you're going to reap what you sow. God will get you, you know, and uh, that's just how he is, and sometimes we as spouses think that we are God's instrument of justice. And so we kind of take it upon ourselves to punish the other spouse instead of saying, wait a minute, I'm supposed to love my enemy. You see, it's, and he goes on the illustration. He says, even in, even anybody will love somebody who will love them back. That's common. Jesus is saying what I'm talking about is uncommon. So you can ignore this entire message. You can just write it off, tune it out, and go back to looking at Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever you're doing. And uh, I see a lot up here. I know you guys don't think I do, but I see so much up here. And it's just hilarious. And uh, so, you know, it, 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 you can go back and shut this out and go back to your common relationship that struggles, 50% of divorce. Most likely you're going to break up. Most likely you separate. Most likely never come back to the church because you're going to blame God. You're going to blame the church. You're going to blame me. And it's, it's all going to be bad. So you can have common or you can have uncommon. The choice is yours. Which one do you want to have? And Jesus is saying, hey, go for the uncommon life. The uncommon life is to love your enemies. That's uncommon. You don't see that every day. That stands out. That's different. It's like a $2 bill. All of a sudden, you get one of those. You're like, whoa, 
I haven't seen one of those in a while. I don't see those too often. It stands out. It's different. Not that it's necessarily worth more than all the others, but it's different. It's uncommon. When you see a relationship, a marriage that is working, all of a sudden you're like, I want that. Because it's different. It stands out. It's uncommon. So that's what God's calling us to. And he's saying, if you want that, guess what? You've got to flip the rule. It's no longer about the golden rule. This is bigger. It's a platinum rule. This is loving your enemies, even though they won't love us. You say, well, how do I do that? First of all, Notice verse 36, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. What is this? we got to fight for us. If you're taking notes, write it down, flip the rule, but then fight for us. Too often we fight each other instead of fighting for each other. You see, you can't have conflict and compassion. You can't have the two. The two do not coexist. So you've got to say, you know what? I am going to fight for us, not against us. And it's amazing how often we can get into a situation where we start fighting each other. You're on the way to the restaurant. You're on the way to a date. You're on the way to do something. You're at home and everything's fine. All of a sudden you start fighting each other. And guess who wins when you fight each other? The enemy, the devil. That's who wins. He wants to separate you. He wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. His mission is to split you up. That's his mission. And sometimes we're guilty of doing the devil's work for him. Instead of simply saying, you know what? Wait, I'm going to fight for us. So if you find yourself in a battle right now, don't fight your spouse. Don't fight your significant other. Fight for them. Say, no, no, no. Hey, right now it feels like hell right now. It's difficult, but let's not camp here. And sometimes we just feel like, let's set up tent, let's stay, and no, we need to say, I'm going to work this out. How do we work it out? Don't let your emotions lead to wrong decisions. Don't let the emotions lead to wrong decisions. You know, Jane and I, we don't fight, we don't argue, we just have intense conversations, okay? That's just, that's just us, okay? I don't know about you, you don't, may not fight, you may not argue, but we just have those intense conversations. Here's the thing, when you have those, you have to remind each other, wait a minute, let's fight for this, not against this. Let's not say things that we can't take back. Let's not say things that'll totally undermine each other. Let's fight for each other, not against each other. Let's work for this. You see, we will never be victorious if all we're doing is playing defense, just waiting for the hits to come. Let's go after it. So you say, how do we do that? First of all, we got to start with the repentance. And I know we don't like to talk about that word. And I get it. I'm guilty of doing this. I'm sorry. No, that's not true repentance. You see, true repentance of the relationship is first acknowledging that something's even wrong. Like, do you even acknowledge that something's going on? Because if you're just oblivious to it, then that's a problem. And so that's where we need to start. Acknowledge something's wrong, but don't just stop there. That's the revelation. There needs to be an admission you were wrong. If you're wrong, admit that you're wrong. And that's very hard for me. I'm very stubborn. I'm very difficult. So we have to be able to say, wait, I'm wrong here. And that's the confession. But then we need to adjust our direction. It's not enough just to say, hey, I acknowledge the problem. No, let's deal with the problem. If the doctor tells you you have cancer, we need to operate. You're not like, hey, you know, in six months it worked better for me. No. You're going to be like, let's take this and get this dealt with. Let's take care of this. I don't want anything to go against our relationship. That's why Jesus said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down. It's saying, hey, work on that thing if you can. Get to a point where you can resolve it and then adjust your direction. You say, but this is still hard. How do I do this? I love what Jesus says in the next verse. He says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Think about that in your marriage. Do not judge others. Oh my goodness. Are we guilty of judging our spouses? 
judging every little thing they do. You spent that. You went there. You looked at her. You looked at him. I can't believe you're friends with them. I can't believe you said that at the dinner party. I can't believe you wore that. I can't believe this. And we start judging them. Forget judging all your friends and neighbors and forget going on social media just so you can show that you still look better than all your old friends. Forget judging all the rest of the world. What if we just quit judging just our spouse? Like, wouldn't that be a game changer just right there? You say, but how do I do that? How do I do that? You do it by this. You got to focus on the other side. Hey, babe, can I borrow you for just a second? You know, my wife, she's amazing. I love her. Like I said, 10 years of marriage, been together since 2015 or 2005, not 2015. Yeah, a lot of kids before that. No, no, no. And they've been together since 2005 when we first met. So there's, there's a lot of history. But here's the thing about Jane and I. We are two very different people, not just male and female, not just the fact that Caucasian and a beautiful Asian. That's not it. That's not the only differences. Here's the difference. Guess what? When it comes to details, she's the man master of details. When it comes to just fly by the seat of your pants, the master of flying by the seat of your pants. We will figure it out on the way and we will have fun doing it. You know, it's just, that's kind of how we roll. But then I got married. And once I got married, all of a sudden we would have arguments. I kid you not. Remember the red box? Remember red box? I would have a late fee of 99 cents and you would think World War III just broke out over 99 cents and I would be like I can't believe we're arguing about 99 dadgum cents I'd pull out my wallet and I'd be like you want 99 cents I'll give you more I will give you like 20 bucks and I'd just put it down you know and that wouldn't help and I'd be like man I can't believe you're arguing over that I mean I'm paying 21% interest on my visa card so and then she's like you're what I'm like nothing 99 cents is so terrible it's awful let's deal with this 99 cents and stay focused on the issue at hand she would get so frustrated by this You know what had to happen if our relationship was going to make it? I had to see it from her perspective. I had to get on her side, and she had to get on my side. You see, you don't understand something. She grew up in a third world country where finances were tight. You didn't waste no money. You didn't didn't waste anything. Here's the thing. She knew we were on a fixed income. We were in ministry. If we were going to stay in ministry, we could afford it. We'd have to watch every little penny. Here's the thing. In our relationship, I'm the fun one in our relationship, okay? Because of me, we have fun. But because of Jane, we have money to have fun. And you can't really have fun without some money. Otherwise, your fun is what we call illegal, okay? All right? And uh, that doesn't work out too well, all right? I like ministry, but I don't want a prison ministry, okay? So when it comes to it, I'm saying I need to see her side. Because then I saw her side, and all of a sudden, now I'm starting to understand, don't waste money. Be good with your money. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, we're able to pay the mortgage. I guess that's important. We're able to buy groceries. I didn't know that was important, too. We're paying our bills on time. I'm responsible. Oh, the bank's going to approve my credit score? I actually have over a 700 credit score? Whoa, when did that happen? You know, And it's why? Because I saw from her side, and her side was actually showing me love. Because guess what? Too often, we think when it comes to showing a person love, it means we only do what they want to do. No, love sometimes looks like tough love. Sometimes love looks like a no, because Jesus said to be full of grace and truth. You can't just have all grace and call it love, and you can't just have all truth and think that's love. No, you got to have the two together. They meet together, but I've got to see it from her side, amen, because she had a side, but then guess what she found out? I had a side too. 
I decided to say, hey, let's make some memories. Let's stay up late and let's watch a movie and make popcorn with the kids. And let's stay up and let's have a memory with just the family. But we didn't get to finish the movie because we put our kids in bed as early as possible so that we can have our alone time and so that we can build our marriage. But I still want the kids to finish the movie. And all of a sudden, she realized to her, my side, I'm not just trying to go spend money. I'm not just kind of like, hey, everybody, take some money. No, no, no. It was I was all about creating a memory, creating a moment. So guess what? We've got to get to each other's side. We've got to see the other side of this. And what happens is we're always saying my side, my side, my side. It's not about my side, her side, or his side. It's all about our side. Change the language you use in the relationship. Say, hey, are we seeing this from our side? Is this the way we want to see things? Are we standing together of this? Or guess what? Or am I fighting for my side? Am I willing to die on that hill of my side? And there's a lot of relationships. You're not working on seeing it from their side. And you got to get to the other side. So to do that, you got to stop judging. If you're judging, you will never get onto the other side because you're trying to imagine what they're going through. Guess what? She has a different life experience. She has a different upbringing, a different background. And it's all the things that I fell in love with what I loved about her, but then once we're up close, I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I like that. No, no, no. What you fell in love with is good, is great, but you got to say, I need to see it from that side. So this morning, we're fighting to get to the other side. Let me give you a bigger example. Jesus came to our side. You go to Philippians chapter number two, and Jesus, who thought himself, uh, 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 who humbled himself and became obedient unto death and became obedient to the death of the cross, he became a man and died for us. He became one of us. He saw from our side. The Bible says in Hebrews, he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without temptation. So if Jesus saw from your side, it's time for you to see it in your spouse's side. Amen? So no more ego trip that your way's better. No more of this where, hey, I'm more authoritative. And no more of this, well, God says I'm the man of the house, and woman, submit. That's the way you get a beat down, guys. You think she looks sweet, but I know she can beat you up, all right? And you don't just throw that in their face like, hey, woman, submit. No. It's saying, you know what? Jesus came down to see it from our side. I need to see it from her side. And I need to fight for us, not against us. And you will find, as you have this vow of pursuit, that you are pursuing her side, you will find that she will come alive. He will come alive because it's not sympathy. Sympathy is just acknowledging your pain. It's empathy. You know the difference between sympathy and empathy? Sympathy says, I see you're hurting. I acknowledge it. Empathy says, your hurt is in my heart. I feel it. And when she, when he knows you feel their hurt, you feel their joy in your heart, that is huge. That is huge. When you're saying, I'm seeing it from your perspective. I want to hear your side. I am famous for cutting her off. I am famous for winning the argument. But you know what I was destroying? Her side. Her side's not wrong. It's different, but it's not wrong. And it's amazing as we both exchange each other's side, we get that vantage point where we can see things better and clearer. So this morning, God is saying, I want to help you. And if you are frustrated this morning over your spouse, you're frustrated with the situation, may I give you something? People are reflecting what you are projecting. You say, oh, I don't like how she treats me. She is reflecting what you are projecting. He is reflecting what you are projecting because marriage is a mirror. And if you don't like what you see, it's not 
her fault. It's not his fault. It's yours. And that's why God says, don't judge. Don't condemn. And God said, if you don't do that, guess what happens? I love verse 38. He said, man, there is a blessing. He said, I'm going to fill your life up to the full. And I love the terminology because it's not just full. He says, I shake it and I pack it down. I take my kids to go get Slurpees, and I've learned to be a tightwad, cheap. I've, I've learned how to save a nickel, right? I've learned how to, how to pinch pennies. So when we go get our Slurpees, my kids, they want to put the lid on. I'm like, no, 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 there's still room in that cup. You say, what do you do? You take it and you shake it. Why? What happens? There's about two more inches that you could put some more Slurpee in there. Even if they don't drink it, I'm taking it. I don't care if they waste it. I'm paying for it. And God is doing the same thing. He's saying, guess what? You think your life is full. You think you're full of blessing. You think you've got my riches. You think you've got my love. You think you've got my peace. But let me shake it down. Let me pack it down so it's overflowing. Let me show you so it's running over. And the Bible says it'll spill over on your lap, which means it's just going to keep blessing. Not just you, not just your family, but all those around you will be blessed because God wants to have your life, your marriage, full to the brim. And if you and I will step back and say, you know what? I'm going to keep the vow of priority. I'm going to keep the vow of pursuit. God says, I will fill that life. I will bless that life. Let's all stand and say amen if we receive it this morning. God wants to speak to every heart, every need. God wants to fix and change and challenge your marriage and your relationship. Whether you are single, married, engaged, divorced, widowed, married again, uh, uh, single and happy or single and, and, and waiting for somebody. God is saying this morning, I want to help you with that relationship. God is not here to judge you, but he's here to help you. And hope is no longer our strategy anymore when it comes to our marriage. We are now saying, God, I will take these principles and I will bury them deep into my life. I've written these things down and I will talk with them. I spoke with a couple. They said, hey, for the last couple weeks, we go and get coffee after the message. And we kind of debrief from the message and we work on it together. And I was blown away by that. And I was thinking that's powerful. That's where life will be transformed because it's not just hearing the word. It's being doers of the word. And that's what God wants. Not just hearers, but doers of the word and so this morning we have the vow of pursuit last week was a vow of priority next week is the vow of purity I want you to bring a friend I want you to come back I believe this will change your life we hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah if it was a blessing to you don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week if you have any questions we'd love to hear them get in touch with us by visiting southridgesanjose.com slash connect. Again, that's southridgesanjose.com slash connect.